0: My name is Jim Fleming and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Mark chapter 12, let's read through uh, all of Mark chapter 12. So for those of you online that just missed the conversation a second ago, um, I promise you what is about to be done is far superior, and no insult to Dave or my introductory comments, uh, but far superior to anything we've talked about so far. So, all right, Mark chapter 12, and he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard, and they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir, come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and this was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. And Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Well, there were 7 brothers. The first took a wife and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, and leaving no offspring. And the third likewise, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. And Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is here, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to them, you... He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes, who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor woman has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Amen. So, Mark chapter 12. So there's an interesting sequence here, and I hope you've you've noticed this. So starting in verse 28, when uh, actually, sorry, let's back up just a sec. Uh, Starting in, uh, let's see, chapter 11, verse 27. So Jesus and his disciples came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him and began to challenge Right? So you see these, these waves of challenges come to Jesus. So And the scribes are included back in verse 27. And they have been included all the way up through Mark's gospel to this point as this big kind of, they're not a homogenous group, but they are homogeneously opposed to Jesus. So a lot of variation inside the group. But in, as a whole, they are opposed to Jesus and his message. And then we come in verse 28 in Mark chapter 12 to one of the scribes comes up and appears to be an honest seeker, and Jesus comments and says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus talks about uh, the scribes' teaching in verse 35, and then steps back and addresses the group again in verse 38. So we see this this general opposition, specific, not so much opposition, uh, Jesus addressing their false teaching, or their insufficient teaching, I would say. And then uh, this big kind of blanket brush that Jesus approaches in verse 38, 39, and 40 that we look at in today's text. So I don't want you to miss, there is consistent opposition from the scribes, one kind of, like, uh, probably good-ish, looking in the right direction, trying to, to figure this out and figure out who Jesus is. Uh, but I also don't want you to miss, in his parable, back in the beginning of chapter 12, In verse 6, it says, in this Jesus talking, he still had one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent them to him saying, they will respect my son. Verse 7, but those tenants, and these are the religious elite that Jesus has been talking about, said to one another, this is the heir. So don't miss the fact that in the parable, Jesus compares the religious elite with a full understanding of who Jesus actually was and still a fundamental rejection of what he was not going to bring them that they wanted him to bring. So I don't know that Jesus puts as fine a point on it anywhere else as right there. And if you're wondering like, well he was, the scribes are opposing him and then there's one good and then he kind of addresses some insufficient doctrine of theirs and then he goes back to, I would say, pretty hard offense in verse 38, 39, and 40 uh, against the scribes. Like, why is he doing that? Because as a whole, they have identified who he is and have rejected him. And this is a problem. Like, this is, this is fundamentally the one and only thing that will send you to hell. Like, this is Jesus, this is the Messiah, this is God's Son, and I reject him. And, and this is a, a really bad problem that the scribes have. So Jesus is not going to back off here. He's going to press in even forward. So that's, so this is one thing that's happening. The other thing is that I, I've talked about this several times. Jesus is just continuously turning up the heat of offense toward the religious elite because there's a specific timeline that he is going to hit. He is going to ensure that their, uh, you know, watched pot never boils. Well, there's some bubbles forming, right? And they are about to come to the surface. And when they come to the surface, then the religious elite is going to exercise every bit of their uh, administrative pull to go and execute Jesus. And that's what they do. So let's look at, uh, so let me, I'll pause there and say, does that make sense? Thank you. Mitch, you've looked like I'm watching Mitch and he's like, nope, I'm about ready to pop. Let's say it. All right, good. Wait, there are other gospels? Yes, there are other gospels. <laughs> yes, we. Good, 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 yes. exactly right it's exactly right so those of you on the on, online that might not have heard uh, Mitch brought up uh, John chapter 3 uh, verse 2 Nicodemus talking here rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God All Right. so this is a we we know you're right we the group absolutely and you see snippets of this all throughout the Gospels, right? When you'll have this one kind of honest seeker in the middle of just this waves and waves of people hanging around and trying to oppose. Um, on Wednesday nights right now at the Chattanooga campus, I think we're, we're spending 10, week, 10 or 11 weeks. No, it'd be 12 because there's six speakers. Each of us have two weeks. So 12 weeks and then a panel discussion going through the, um, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And uh, it's interesting to look and to know, now that we've spent so much time in Mark, I have, I think, a better perspective on how often people who were directly opposing Jesus were in the audience. And it was a stunningly large percentage of the time. Like, they followed him around looking for ways to trap, looking for ways to trip up, looking for questions to ask that he couldn't figure out, which... You know, bring it, right. Um, and, uh, and one of, we got together as, as a group uh, and discussed the Sermon on the Mount so that we'd have a, the six different teachers that are teaching through it. because if you've got six different Bible teachers, that means you're going to have 473 different interpretations, right? So we, we aligned on the idea that there was opposition in the crowd and uh, that Jesus would have been regularly pointing out this is good behavior as opposed to what you see in the religious elite because this was really what he did very often. And looking through and reading the Sermon on the Mount with an eye toward these are opposite behaviors as to what they would have seen from their religious leadership is a really scary thing. For me, it kind of comes to the point here in verse 38, 39, and 40 in Mark chapter 12, where Jesus just really crystallizes this is what hypocrisy looks like. Like it is is really, really ugly. So let's let's start here in verse uh, 38. That's probably the longest introduction we've had to any text so far. So some of you are like, no, it's not. (laughs) It's the longest that I can remember, so there we go. All right, verse 38, uh, and in his teaching, so uh, again, we don't have every word Jesus said. This would have been a portion of something that was lifted out, part of a larger uh, discourse. So in his teaching, he said, this is the imperfect tense, this is action continually, repeatedly happening in past time. So this is something that he would have said more than once, right? So he says, beware. Now, the word beware literally just means to look at to to like so i'm going to i'm going to beware Dave Barber for just a second and he's bewaring back right i mean this is <laughs> this is just just look at them. like look at them it's it's not it's not what we think of sometimes in our english when you say beware it's like oh i need to run away like, no 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 identify and pay attention to because I'm about to explain some things to you and This word beware is a plural which means it's addressed to the group for them to to Collectively obey present active imperative. So start doing this and don't ever stop You're like well, that's that's a lot of work. Well if if there's a command that's given to start doing something and not ever stopping To me, I think an easy assumption here is that there will be people who are exhibiting this behavior for these motives forever. Like This is just part of what you get when you bring a group of religious people together. So I'll pause here, and I'll give us an example from yesterday's men's breakfast. So yesterday's men's breakfast, we had, I don't know, 50 people in the room. It was a good time. It was in this room. So forgive the bacon on the floor. There's that. Um, There were, I think, uh, one of the guys that was speaking said 11 people signed up, which meant a whole bunch of us. Hi, my name's Jim, Chris Brawley. I confess I was one of them, okay? I did not sign, I actually did sign up. I signed up uh, two minutes before I left the house, (laughs) (laughs) which shines a light on my heart, right? (laughs) So just guilty, here we go. Uh, and uh, they, they determine how much food they're going to make based on the, what, let me back up, they say they determine how much food they're going to make based on how many signups they get. That is not in fact true. They feed an army and if they cook too much we bring it to homeless shelters and give it to the homeless shelters, it's great, nothing goes to waste, it's all good. It, it's absolutely all fine. But they were they were kind of brainstorming in a big group which is always dangerous. and. Uh, trying to figure out ways to get guys to sign up. And one of the guys said, well, I know, charge $3 if you sign up and $5 if you don't. And, and everybody kind of like, oh, well, that's actually a pretty, yeah, okay, cool. And I leaned over to my, fin- my friend Bill Brandenburg and I whispered, this is what legalism looks like. It looks like, let's add a rule. Let's add, oh, that makes all kinds of sense, absolutely absolute that's for a good reason it makes sense yes 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 but we do that with god's word right well it's close is bad so in in the building is even like that's bad too it's like time out time out time out and and this is this is what has happened to the scribes is they have been close to the truth and they have Added and added and added and added and added, and the more we add, the more we, the more we, more Jim adds to what God has said, the farther away we get from the relationship with the God who wrote these words. So we are creating distance in our relationship with God with the more that we add on top of Scripture. Now. Is the $3, $5 thing a really silly example? Absolutely. Does it have any real theological impact? Probably not, but that's what it looks like and feels like. Everybody in the group nodding and going, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we have to be very careful. Whenever we see rules, regulations, lists, whatever that go beyond what the scripture actually says. Um, And I will confess, I am guilty. Guilty, guilty, guilty. So, we've gotten one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words into the first verse. Yes, here we go. It's only a three-page handout, but there's a lot going on here. (laughs) So, and in his teaching, Jesus' teaching, Jesus said, beware of the scribes. So, beware of the scribes. So, he's back to this more generalization-ish kind of view who like to walk around. And this word like is, like is probably the, the weakest way you can translate this. It's to wish or to prefer or to, like, this is my choice. Um, the, the, the fifth definition of this word is this is what I delight in. This is where I get my happiness from. So when you, you the, it's, it's common in American English right now to say, what, what, what's your happy place, right? Like, what's the place you want to go to that just makes you happy? The things that Jesus is about to list are the things that made the scribes happy. And not one of them has to do with a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Ooh, that stings, right? So this is what makes them happy. This is their, uh, I have in my notes down here, it was their favorite. That's my Buddy the Elf reference for the day. There you go. Uh, the scribes who like to, so they prefer to, and this is the present act of participles. This is their habit. This is their habit. They like to walk around, per pateo, in long robes. What do you think long robes were a symbol of? Prosperity. What else? Power, yes. Position. There we go. Oh, you guys alliterated. I didn't even ask for it. <laughs> Prosperity, power, Position, yes. That's exactly what this is. That's a, that's a really good... I'm glad Gary and Daryl are not listening to this. They would, they would commend us for this, and I would not commend us for this. So. All right, so in long robes. Th- this word for robes is actually only used one other time in Mark's gospel. Uh, and it's interesting who wears the robe in Mark chapter 16, verse 5. Uh, and looking up in verse 4, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. It's only two people that wear robes in Mark's gospel. Talk about two ends of the, the, the religious spectrum, right? And and they, the scribes would have thought they were on the same end of the religious spectrum, which is the really dangerous part here. So uh, they like to, and this is a, um, this, this verb for like applies to the walking around in robes, the greeting in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogue, the places of honor at the feast. Like, it, you can think about it as a, this, uh, this verb has all these nested applications and uh, it, it goes all the way through. Uh, they like greetings in the marketplaces. All right, so we're going to get personal for just a second. So, uh, Bruce and Thesa, what is your humorous, title for me here at church? The mayor, the mayor yes. <laughs> Why do you reference me as the mayor? This is hilarious. And it, get ready, because it's going to sting for just a second. Why do you reference me as the mayor? Because you don't anywhere to put to the right. This is something that I can sin at every single time I walk in this building. Like This was the, you know, I talk about Sunday School lessons that, oh, like, oh, this is in the mirror. No, no, no. This is one of those magnifying mirrors that's way up close. I had my eyes checked this week and they told me I need progressive lenses, so congratulations. Makes you feel good. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> I had somebody at work tell me, well, you should be grateful that you've lived long enough that you need progressive lenses. They're like, oh, yes, that's the positive spin on that. That's exactly right. It's like, okay, whatever. Uh, but, but this is a, you know, have you, ever, have you ever had somebody get and stand too close to you in a conversation where you're just like, nope, I need to back up. Nope, you're still, I'm backing up and you're still coming forward. Like, we're, we're going to have to verbally address this. this is how this verse has been for me for the last month. Every time I get stopped, it's, am I reveling in this? Ugh, wow. So if we, if we think that this is just for the scribes way back then, no, no. Uh, Dave, your, your intro was painful to listen to <laughs> uh, because it is absolutely still true today. So they like greetings in the marketplaces. So everybody can see them in the marketplaces. Sorry, my, there we go. Um, my pulpit's wobbly up here today. So that greetings in the marketplaces is the best visibility that you could get. And uh, the best seats in the synagogues. Look at the, look at the Greek word for seats there, G4410, um, Proto-Kathodria. Got me on that one. Look at the first five letters. Proto means first. It's first, it's first, it's first. Talking about position, right? I want the best seats in the synagogue. So at church, I want the best seat that you got. And the places of honor at feasts or dinners or gatherings together. Look at the word for places of honor. proto first place. I want to be first place at church. I want to be first place when we get together to eat. What is this about? This word for uh, feasts only shows up one other time in Mark's gospel. Mark is not about explaining how Jesus fulfills the Jewish Jewish feasts. Jewish feasts. That is difficult to say. He is not about that in his gospel. When feasts show up, the only other time it shows up is in 621, and this is Herod's birthday banquet. So what have we established this concept or this word associated with? The murder of John the Baptist, right? This is, this is a dangerous thing that Mark is associating here. So he, he's, <laughs> looking back, there's a connection between Herod's arrogance here and this places of honor and the scribes consuming these things on our own lusts here so the places of honor at feasts who and we're not done you're like oh that's enough right but it's not quite because he's about to set up next week's text the widow who devour again this is a present active participle who devour this word's only used in one other place in mark's gospel in verse uh, four, Mark four, four. It's the parable of the sower, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. So he's drawing a linkage between these scribes snatching away the goodness and the impl- and the impact of God's word in the lives of those who need it. Jesus is doing a lot with this little diatribe here. Uh, who devour widows' houses. Now, how, like, I'm going to use Daryl's, uh, you're a low-life, egg-sucking dog. You're going to go devour a widow's house. That's as redneck as you'll hear me today. Um, like, devour a widow's house? Like, that's just, really? It's a widow. Take care of widows, right? This is what true religion, pure and undefiled is. Devouring widows' houses, and this is our last and, for a pretense, for an outward showing, make long prayers. There's a whole lot of consuming it upon our own desires and our own lusts going on here, right? I'm not asking for a show of hands. But I can't imagine I'm the only one that got a little bit convicted in this particular text, right? Um, Make long prayers. They will receive. This is an indicative. This is a statement of fact. They will receive the greater, the superabundant, either in quantity or quality, or the excessive condemnation. So, again, this decision. uh, the, The crema is, we see this. Several times in uh, Romans, this word, Uh, this idea that there is going to be a judgment and a decision that is handed down of what is right and what is not right. And there is coming a condemnation. So if you look earlier in Mark chapter 12, when Jesus engages with a single scribe, what happens? The scribe asks him a question, Jesus answers, and the scribe declares his judgment, you are right. And then the scribe continues on and Jesus declares his judgment, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But there is another judgment coming that Jesus declares and talks about in verse 40, they will receive the greater condemnation. Like Everything that you ever wanted about being popular, recognized, successful, all of the positive that comes with that, is only enjoyed here. It is not something that is enjoyed forever because there is a judgment that is coming. So uh, application and personalizations, these are, uh, I would think, pretty straightforward. Uh, Application number one, hypocrites exist in religious leadership. I'm just going to put a real fine point on it. (laughs) Um, Hypocrites exist in religious leadership. So what do we do with that? Well, what did Jesus tell the disciples to do with it? Always be looking out. Right? Always be looking out. This is one of those texts that I, I do not know enough about the Greek language to write uh, or to translate or to create my own version of anything. I, am, I have no business doing that. I would not have picked the word beware, though. I picked a little something different. So always be looking out. Uh, application number two, hypocrites consume and devour. Hypocrites consume and devour, which I think is a, a probably a good question for our motives. Is this something that I am consuming or devouring? Is that for me? Is that like what's the... Feels like a, a reasonable-ish question. But again, if I turn that into a list, now I've just created legalism, right? So you see how easy it is to go from like this is a good self-reflection question to... No, 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 these are the ten things I ask myself before I look at communion. It's like, well, careful now, okay. So what do we do with that? We'll always be looking out. The personalizations will sound familiar today. Uh, And then application number three, hypocrites will be judged. Hypocrites will be judged. And we have all been in this space at some point in our lives, so we will all be judged here. So what do we do with that? Always be looking out and... I would say examine our own lives for hypocrisy and where we find it. In my notes, I have if. That is not correct. And where we find it, repent and believe. Right? Repent and believe. So a lot going on in three little verses. And I think the order matters here. And just a heads up. Next week's text is heartbreakingly emotional. So if this is something that you have engaged with in the past, fantastic. If it is not, be prepared to be overwhelmed with what this woman does because it is a, a surface reading in English is a scratch and sniff level of understanding of what is going on here. There is a t- more going on under the surface next week's handout is already at OurSundaySchool.com so I would encourage you to go there and check that out if you want to get ahead it's kind of cool Uh, but our homework each week uh, down at the bottom of page 413 pray, hear, think, talk, share, invite so please let's do that and uh, now we'll move into our uh, prayer time so you should have your sheets at your table so if you haven't already Written down your prayer requests either that are new for this week or new for ongoing, please do so. And um, after you have prayed as a table, you are free to go into the sanctuary to worship this one who is the one who can point these truths out and is the one who will judge but is also the one who has made a way to stop this decay. So he is worthy of our worship. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.